Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Yeah, very important how we respond. I think, uh, you know, that's the main thing that we have to look forward to. Now this game's over with. We we know we did wrong, and now it's just not letting it happen again now. You're going to be down in different games. And like I said earlier, you're not going to be able to shoot the ball great. You have to still be competitive and be in the game and give yourselves a chance to win at the end. So, you know, I'm uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, this Boston game. The voice of Bull Star Zach Levine. And it's an interesting point that he made because it wasn't the fact that the Bulls lost to the Lakers last time out. It was the fact that they looked flat doing it and that's what he's talking about they're looking for the bounce back this evening 745 our coverage begins bulls celtics tonight on the score chuck and bill will have the call as they take on boston zach saveman with you until then broadcasting live on hyundai studios brought to you by your local hyundai dealers and let's talk a little bit about the bulls now joining us is 670thescore.com's cody westerland who covers the bulls for us and he joins us on the alpamonte nissan hotline alpamonte nissan in melrose park on North Avenue or APNissan.com. Did I hit that right, Cody? It's it's the fact that they didn't have the kind of uh, effort, energy, enthusiasm, purpose, spirit that you need when you take the floor against the Lakers that bothered Billy Donovan so much. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I I appreciate the spirit reference. Feels like you're hearkening back to the Jim Boylan days a little bit, but the Bulls were certainly (laughs) disappointed. Uh, against the Lakers. I think the one mitigating factor was it was off the back-to-back against the defending champions. So I I didn't feel like I was shocked that what happened happened and that the Lakers played spectacular basketball, but the Bulls were flat and and that's what bothered Billy Donovan. That's what bothered Zach Levine and the rest of the guys. So I feel like tonight will be a better read just because the Celtics obviously aren't as good as the Lakers, but also the Bulls having another day of rest. And now playing one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, the Celtics have had their problems, obviously, with COVID and just kind of everyone in and out of the lineup. Sounds like Jason Tatum uh, will be back for them tonight, but Kemba Walker's going to rest as he kind of manages his knee injury coming off uh, knee problems last year. So uh, a game that's probably a better barometer for the Bulls tonight than the other night when I think most of us probably expected a loss. Yeah, and the Celtics are also coming off a a back-to-back, which I think uh, helps uh, the Bulls from that standpoint. What has surprised you in the early going of this season when you watch the Bulls? Well, I just think it's how quickly the offense has transformed. I mean, the Bulls were one of the five or six worst offenses in the NBA for 
two or three straight years here during their rebuild, and they're running back pretty much the exact same team as last year with the exception of Patrick Williams being added and Garrett Temple being signed in free agency. And those guys have certainly both helped, but it's pretty much the same core. And I thought it might take longer on the offensive end for them to understand Billy Donovan's system and for everything and everyone to click. But they've played really well offensively after those first two bad games of the season when they got blown out. And other than the Lakers game the other night, I think that game dropped the Bulls about to uh, mid-tier, 15th or so in the NBA in offensive efficiency. But before that, the Bulls were on the on the verge of being a top 10 offense in the NBA before the ugly game on Saturday night. So uh, I just thought that's that's been a real key for them. And, you know, it's made the basketball more fun to watch. And I think Billy Donovan's done a good job of getting guys like Wendell Carter Jr., Thad Young in the right spots where they can kind of keep the ball moving or being more aggressive when they do get it and knowing where to go next to keep the offense moving, whether it's with the pass or them attacking in some form. And obviously, Lowry Markkinen has been a beneficiary of all that, too. He's played pretty well uh, when he hasn't been out with uh, COVID, obviously, um, or COVID protocols, I should say. So uh, that has been a very good leap for the Bulls. And I think Zach Levine, you see his progression has been very good. It feels like what he's doing, I mean, the criticism of Zach has always been the empty calories, right? Like, he'll get his points, he'll be pretty efficient, but is he truly uplifting his teammates? And when you watch the Bulls play close games now, he's missed some some big shots in, at the buzzer, or maybe not at the buzzer, but in the final minute. But for the most part, when you watch the Bulls' offense late in games now, it feels like they're getting good shots, and Zach's been a big part of that. So I think just the biggest surprise is how quickly they've taken to, to what Billy Donovan wants them to do. I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. Yeah, it really just shows uh, how good of a coach Billy Donovan has been, not just when he was at OKC, but also at the college level and and obviously now with the Bulls. We're breaking down the Bulls with Cody Westerland, who covers them for 670thescore.com. So help me out here. When this is right, what's it going to look like? Are you talking big picture, like a few years down the road? Are you talking like best case scenario this year? I'm, I'm talking big picture, but to get to the big picture, it starts with the little things that are happening right now. So let's start this year, and then let's work our way back and zoom it. Yeah, I mean, I think this year will be a progression of what you see. I mean, the Bulls think they're one of the deepest teams in the NBA when they're healthy, and their second unit's played very well. So uh, I think this year, the next goal for them would be cutting down on turnovers. They've been top two or three um, in that department all year on the, on the bad end of the spectrum when it comes to turnover percentage. Part of it's because they play a little faster this year. Part of it's because Kobe White and Zach Levine and some of these big guys just haven't taken care of the ball well enough. A lot of sloppy, careless turnovers. So uh, when you're looking this year, I think short term, it's just more of an efficient offense because you turn maybe two, three possessions a game instead of being turnovers and runouts the other way for the other team. Uh, those are good looks for you, and you convert maybe two of them, and, and that's a different game at the end against uh, some of these close games. So I think that's the small picture, and I think Zach and Kobe obviously would be the focus of that. Can they continue to attack and be efficient, um, especially in Zach's case, he's been so efficient shooting the ball. Kobe White has not been efficient shooting the ball. Um, but can Zach still be efficient and take care of the ball better, and can Kobe um, bring up his shooting percentage a little bit and take care of the ball too? So, uh, And you say big picture. I mean, years down the road, I, I still don't think the Bulls have a point guard. I mean, that's pretty clear. Uh, Kobe White's being asked to do something that he's not 
the best at. Like he's never been a pure, true point guard. And the Bulls have given him the job basically from day one of training camp, named him the point guard. Doesn't always look like he's a traditional point guard because sometimes Zach Levine will still facilitate the offense. But at some point in this rebuild, uh, I think they're going to draft or sign a traditional point guard. And I think the offense um, will look a little bit different at that point. And if Kobe White, obviously, is still a young building block, and if they keep him for uh, various reasons as they canvass the league for trades. That's something that's certainly on the Bulls' mind here in the next few years, too, as they try to find the superstars. These guys that are still left, I think, might fit in a little bit better uh, in the sense of a guy like Kobe, who who's probably best at shooting. I mean, Billy Donovan's noted that a lot, that that sometimes he's taking and away what Kobe does best or asking him what he does best to not do it as much. Um, so there's been growing pains with that. So I think big picture, uh, the system the Bulls are playing will look a little bit smoother if they get a true traditional point guard and these other guys just kind of play off of them. I think the coolest thing about this is that the highest levels of Bulls management, starting with Donovan and going up into the front office, they're learning about everything they have as we're learning about everything they have. They're certainly seeing everything we see, too. Like, it feels like that. Like, Billy Donovan, when you talk to him, it's he he echoes what you're thinking. And one of the things, like, he says all the time, he's like, that's an excellent observation to so-and-so, whatever reporter's asking him the question. And he usually agrees with you. And I feel like that that has made Bulls fans feel better because I feel like in past years, it felt like the, the front office and, and the coaching staff didn't always see what we were seeing and digesting it in the same way. And obviously, um, Arturis Karnaschovas hasn't talked too much since the season started, but Billy Donovan talks every day. And you get the sense from him that that is the case. And that's why it's going to be interesting, too, with the future of some of these guys. You know, like Zach Levine's grown so much this year and improved, but what is he? Is he going to be the number two superstar on the Bulls in a few years when they're trying to challenge? Or are the Bulls going to try to flip him um, for some really good young pieces that maybe fit the timeline and age of Patrick Williams and Kobe White better? So those are the big questions. And when we see Zach ascend, they're seeing the same thing, but it's such a fine line of what they're going to do. And I don't I don't think we have hints yet on, on Zach Levine's future to, to that because this front office has been one that AK has obviously prioritized the, the passing gene in Denver. If you look at it, I mean, Nikola Jokic is redefining how big men throw and pass the ball in the NBA and facilitate offense. So this is a Bulls team that, that wants players who think like that, who have that vision. And Zach Levine does not have Nikola Jokic vision, but he has taken strides, I think, just in how he gets teammates involved and how he utilizes his athletic gifts to create opportunities for other and then keep the ball and the offense humming uh, in a way we didn't see in the past. So maybe uh, that does redefine how, how we look at him, how we look at Kobe, and how we look at some of these young building blocks. Our final few moments here with Cody Westerlin breaking down the Bulls. He covers them for 670thescore.com. In the NBA, big picture here, Woj reporting tonight that uh, the league and the Players Association are discussing the possibility of holding an all-star game in early March, Atlanta emerging as the likely site. Does the league need that, just in terms of getting uh, fans involved, uh, in terms of what it could mean from a, a charitable situation? How important is it to have an all-star weekend? It's such a big deal in normal years for the NBA. Yeah, I think it's just so dumb. 
it's so dumb to do it this year, especially given how many games are getting postponed lately, and some of these uh, could get canceled. We we could end up with the case like in baseball where not everyone plays equal number of games um, for sure, and you're looking at everyone having a 72-game schedule. NBA might have to look at just using winning percentage if some of these teams can only play like 65, 64 games or something. you got to remember, like when we had a COVID outbreak in baseball, MLB was just like, hey, Cardinals, you just play double headers for like a month straight. You can't do that in the NBA. You you can't play double headers, and you can't ask them to play hardly any more back-to-backs than they already are, uh, especially when you're having some thin roster. So I don't really understand it, other than you say obviously there's always a financial component. That's pretty much always what's driving everything, um, because so much money has to be tied and attached to it. But like. These, these charity endeavors, like, you can still donate the money to charity. Like, you don't have to get everyone on a plane and expose them to COVID to play an all-star game. And I, I just really feel like it could backfire. Billy Donovan talked about that t- tonight, and backfires my words, but him talking about it was like, how's this going to work when everyone comes back in the market? Like, are they going to have to quarantine for a few more days? Like, if someone's exposed because they went to the all-star game, and they kind of broke, not protocol, but just the normal habits that they gotten into and stayed safe amid um, COVID. Like, teams could get derailed for another week or two. And this is a lot of competitive aspects with this. So I don't understand it other than to point out, like you said, always financial components to it. And maybe that's just simply what the NBA wants to do there. And I look, I, I do understand that perspective. Like, that's why they continue to play through COVID. Like, as long as a team can trot out eight players, anybody's out there, they play the game and they get the TV money and that's what's important because then the league and the players can split it 50-50 and still have as much um, just saving grace on the financial and economic front as they can. So uh, the, the All-Star game would, would be similar to that, but I just it doesn't feel worth the risk to me when, when the season's more important. So uh, without an expert delving into that, I think it's kind of a pretty dumb idea. Yeah, the NBA has already postponed 22 regular season games, including Wednesday's Bulls-Grizzlies matchup because of virus-related issues. Cody, thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Always fun talking Bulls with you. Yep, have a good rest of the show, Zach. Thank you. Cody Westerland covers the Bulls for 670thescore.com. Bulls hosting the Celtics tonight. Zach Saban here until 745 when Chuck and Bill take over the radio station, getting you set for the 8 o'clock tip between the Bulls and Boston. Let's take a break, talk a little baseball when we come back on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. Zach Saban with you until Bulls basketball at 745. Chuck and Bill have the call. Bulls hosting Boston tonight. So I want to talk uh, about a few different things. We'll start with baseball, then I'll go to football and give you my thoughts. You can join me at 312-644-6767. So we found out today, courtesy of MLB Network, that Major League Baseball's players are sort of the latest proposal from MLB for universal designated hitter and an expanded playoff format. And I bring this up because you might not be paying attention to this now, and it might not seem like a big deal to you right now. But what it shows is all the issues that took place last summer just to get baseball on the field in the midst of a pandemic, those issues have not gone away. And it's important to remember that at the end of the 2021 season, when 
ever that takes place. And we don't know still. I, I know that the commissioner has said teams should prepare to start spring training on time and that the season will start on time. It's easy to say that now before the season starts. But I think the pandemic is going to have a big say as to whether or not you can start on time and how many games you can have and all that kind of stuff. I do think it'll be a longer season than what we saw last season. But I don't know that we'll get 162 games in. And I think anyone who tells you that that's going to happen, they don't know. How can they? But remember, the current collective bargaining agreement runs out after the 2021 season. And you saw what happened last year. You already see what's happening right now. We're headed for some labor unrest here in Major League Baseball over the next couple of seasons, next couple of years, uh, until they're finally able to truly sit in a room and iron out their differences and reach some labor peace. And I think because of that, you know, if you're one of these teams that's looking to rebuild, this would be the time to do it. Now, when you look at both of our teams here in this city, the Cubs and the White Sox, the White Sox were in a unique situation because they've been gearing up for the last few years. So you'd be crazy not to be all in. And that's why the White Sox are all in because the team tells you when it's time to go, when it's time to really make that run. And based on the fact that the White Sox made the playoffs last season, that all these young players are beginning to sprout together. You understand why Jerry Reinsdorf said, you know what, let's go. We're all in. Hiring Tony La Russa, making the changes that they've made this offseason, you know, fixing the bullpen and adding to that. And the bullpen was pretty good last season up until the playoffs. And then the fact that they've added to their, their starting rotation. And, you know, if you just have these young players continue to grow under this new coaching staff, the White Sox enter 2021 as a legitimate championship contender. So I get why they did what they did. But I also understand why the Cubs have decided to do what they've done this offseason. Because you get to a certain point where not every team's like this. There's certain teams that always decide, you know what, we just can't stomach a rebuild. We... We're happy with the status quo and just improving little things here and there and hoping that things improve. You know, the Bears are an example of that. No, they're not happy that uh, they've been 8-8 eight and eight the last couple of seasons, but they did make the playoffs. And, you know, they're, they're thinking, all right, give it one last shot because, you know, you don't want to start over. Well, what I like about what the Cubs are doing and – Hear me out on this, because I know a lot of people have been complaining, oh my goodness, what are they doing? They said goodbye to John Lester. They traded away you, Darvish. said goodbye to Kyle Schwarber. Who else is next? But the reality is, yes, the Cubs have made the playoffs five times in the last six years, but you can almost split those six years in half, because they've been two very different terms, if you will. The first three years, 2015, 16, and 17, you're talking about deep playoff runs each of those seasons, including a championship in 2016. But a very different story beginning in 2018, then 2019 and 2020, where yes, the Cubs have made the playoffs twice in those three years, but zero playoff wins to show for it. 
And I thought they maxed out. They, they, they went as far as they could go with the group that they had. You know, the, clearly the, the chance for them to win another championship would have been either 2015 or 2017. You didn't know it at the time when you were watching it. But 2018, you know, Chris Bryant started to get hurt. Um, the, the team didn't look that, you know, you Darvish was never really a factor in 2018. Um, and I think when you start to take a look at 2019, Darvish got going in the second half of that season, but they never really answered the bullpen question in the 2019 season, and it cost them. They had that mighty collapse, and then Joe Madden and company parted ways. And then last season, you know, the, the Cubs, yes, they made the playoffs, but it was kind of like a slow morph to getting eliminated early because the offense just got progressively worse as the season kept going. And, and I think it became very obvious that you went as far as you could go with the current nucleus. So everyone understood that changes had to be made and they had to rebuild a little bit or reset, retool. They're not stripping the whole thing down the way they did when they first hired Theo Epstein. But I understand what they're doing. I mean, don't you want an owner that says, you know what, zero playoff wins in the last three years is not good enough. You're not happy with it as a fan. They're not happy with it as ownership. So strip some things down to the point where you can create another championship window. And that's what the Cubs are trying to do. And they're trying to do it now when there's all this labor uncertainty taking place around Major League Baseball. And because of the pandemic, you still don't know when you're going to have the ability to have full capacity at stadiums. So why not take this time to retool, reset, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, and create another opportunity for a championship window? I think that's the way you have to do it in Major League Baseball. And that's what the Cubs are trying to do right now. And luckily for them, Every other team in the National League Central is doing the same thing. You know, St. Louis is kind of rebuilding, retooling, whatever you want to call it. Same thing with Milwaukee. I mean, the Pirates are stripping the whole thing down. They are going through a major rebuild. Cincinnati is kind of stripping it down a little bit the way uh, the Cubs and the Brewers and the Cardinals are. So you still have an opportunity to perhaps make the playoffs in what will turn out to be a very weak National League Central in 2021. And you still have Rizzo on the team. You still have Baez on the team. At this point, you still have Contreras and Bryant on the team. So why not take the time to see if you can win this weekend NLC, NL Central as is, and yet also retool to put yourself in a position where you open up another window and it's not going to take as long as, as the first rebuild took. So you're taking a step back maybe this year and next year, but if you do it right and they are relying on Theo Epstein's right-hand man to make this happen, a guy who has been through a couple of heavily publicized rebuilds both in Boston and, and here with the Cubs. So it's not like you're asking someone to do this who hasn't played a major role in doing it in the past. Take the shot. Take the shot. And that's what the Cubs are doing. And that's why I, I don't have as much of a problem 
as some other people when uh, you know I, I hear some of the calls and people are complaining, and I think to myself, well, what did you think a, a, a retooling would look like? You were going to have to say goodbye to players that you fell in love with because they were part of a team that you'll never forget, 15, 16, and 17, and gave you these magical playoff runs and won the championship you never thought you would see in your lifetime. This is how it happens in Major League Baseball. But, you know, the, the memories that you have of Kyle Schwarber doing the things that he did uh, back w- when the Cubs won the championship, that's not the same player he was last season or the season before that. And I think just from a business standpoint, you're saying, well, I feel like I can get someone to do that and not have to pay as much. And that's just the reality of professional sports, but specifically Major League Baseball. It's the reason they said goodbye to John Lester or John Lester said goodbye to them. I mean, it's it's the reason they didn't pick up the option. And yes, Lester wanted to come back, but he's not getting any younger. And he's looking at this and he's thinking to himself, you know what? They're retooling. I'm at a stage in my life where I want one last shot at a championship. So I get the decision that he made. Do I think the Cubs were looking to trade you Darvish when the offseason started? No, I think a unique situation transpired where the people that run the Padres have a previous relationship with Darvish because they used to be in Texas when he was with the Rangers. So you had a team that, like the White Sox, are all in because their young players all became good at the same time. They have an opportunity to win. You don't want to squander that when you get that chance. And they said to themselves, you know what? Let's call up the Cubs and and see if they're willing to part with Darvish. And I think the Cubs thought, my guess is, that you know, here you have a situation where you can get some prospects for Darvish. His value will never be higher. And when that next championship window opens, Darvish may be done as a player. So they picked up a bunch of prospects. If you hit on a couple of them, well, that ends up being a successful trade. So again, it's, it's painful when you're going through it, but it's not as painful as the first rebuild because I still do think the Cubs will have an opportunity to compete in the NL Central based on the fact that everyone seems to be retooling, rebuilding, resetting, whatever you want to call it, all at the same time. So that's kind of how I look at at the, the Cubs situation compared to the White Sox situation. Now, when it comes to football, because I spent a lot of time talking with Owen Kruitz in the first hour about what the Bears need to be. And I think, and I cannot stress this enough, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this tomorrow at 6 o'clock, by the way. Brad Biggs will join me for the entire hour and he'll be taking your phone calls from 6 to 7 at 312-644-6767, and we'll talk Bears nonstop. You guys will be able to ask the questions. But I think what stands out to me uh, about the Bears, and you see it with uh, the very best teams in any sport, you have to clearly identify what you want to be. And once you do that, once you clearly identify who you are and what you want to be, then you can actually go ahead and construct the team around that identity. But unfortunately, what's happened with the Bears is that you had a general manager come in before the coach, and he drafted certain personnel to fit maybe the the image that he had of what the team should be. He brought in a coach that he thought could mesh with that philosophy. Clearly, the personnel that the GM drafted doesn't work, at least from an offensive standpoint, 
with the vision that the coach has. And that's why in 2018 it worked out great because everything was new. But once the league had an opportunity to study what the Bears were trying to do, well, you know what? They caught up, and it hasn't worked. The last two years you have to acknowledge that it hasn't worked. So if you're now on a kind of prove-it deal, as I believe the coaches and the front office are, based on what George McCaskey and Ted Phillips said in their Zoom conference. And again, everything was very vague, so you're not quite sure if that's the case. But if indeed this is the, the last run for these guys, this group of Pace, Nagy, and his coaching staff together, well, if you're trying to be successful, the best way to do that is, what do I have on my roster that works? How do I best utilize that talent? As opposed to coaching plays, coach players. And then, based on what you have on your roster, what's the, the easiest way that you can go about adding to that group to make it as successful as possible? And I don't know that running the chief style of offense is the best way to do that when you have a running back like David Montgomery and you're not quite sure what you have at the quarterback position as we sit here today on the 25th of January. And you don't know if you're going to be able to have a full offseason. It could be impacted by the pandemic the same way the last offseason was. I mean, you already are not going to have an NFL scouting combine. So that gives you an idea of how much things have been impacted. I don't know that you necessarily want to revamp everything, add new quarterbacks, new receivers, and guys that fit a completely different system and try to make that happen. And I know what you're thinking. Well, you know what? Tom Brady was able to do it. How many Tom Brady's are out there? So that's unrealistic. I think reality is identifying correctly what you are and making the most of it. A great example of that is watching Billy Donovan and the Bulls, and you can hear them coming up in mere moments, 7.45 pregame with Chuck and Bill as the Bulls get set to take on Boston. But rather than completely uh, bringing in his vision, he's looking at the players and trying to, to max out with the players that he has while implementing certain aspects of what has worked for Donovan over the course of his career. Again, I think the key in any sport, coach your players, not the plays. Thank you so much for listening to me this evening. I want to thank Olin Krutz and Cody Westerland for adding their insights and talking NFL Bears and Bulls with me. I'm Zach Saitman. Catch me here tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Until then, it's Bulls basketball. Bulls, Boston, Chuck, Bill next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.